Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Uh, today we wanted to have a conversation with uh, Jim and Marty and talk about gym monsters, just incredible lifts that they've seen in the gym, in competition over the years, just, you know, like WTF moments, like, you know, anything on the, the bench, deadlift, squat, uh, just those memorable moments that you just kind of remember forever. Just incredible lifts that they've seen. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and uh, this is actually Jim's topic. So he wanted to talk about all this. So we'll let him start off. I want to hear all Marty's stories about him. Oh well, yeah, Marty's got tons of stories. But uh, Jimmy, has you, with, what, Jim, what got you fired up? Yeah, well, when I was a kid, fired? you know, uh, my dad was a professor at University of Maryland, really good friends with the head coach there, Jerry Claiborne. He used to drop me off in a football Jerry weight Claiborne. and just watch those guys lift, and then he'd come back and pick me up. So I was in there one day, and Mark Duda, who played for the Cardinals, was curling. You remember those thin-handled dumbbells with the big balls on the end of them? Yeah, like mm. old school. Yeah, the, the he was curling 90s. Iron. He was curling 90s. He was like 6'4", you know, 285, whatever. Yeah. How, old, how old are you? Seventh grade, 7th, 8th grade. So 13, 14. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's very impressionable. And at the Yes. There was also a guy doing barbell cheat curls with 185. Uh-huh. Like, and then also lifting that day was Mike Menser, who was in town, and he was doing seated behind the necks. Now, he wasn't using a lot of weight. Man, he was working really hard. So I had those three things. Uh, now, at what stage of, of Mike's? Because I, uh, Mike and I ran into each other periodically. At what stage? It was of, was right this, after. Was, you know, you know, Mike was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base. Yeah, that's why how he ended up in our area. That's why how we ended up. Where did you train at Spartan? Right. Yeah, I think so. And at Dynamo also. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant Dynamo. That was his main home base when he was he was stationed at uh, Andrews. Yeah. Uh, but then after he got out, uh, his brother Ray both, uh, was in the D.C. area for, for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah oh, yeah. Ray and uh, one of my training partners, Ray Hager, they actually had a pool cleaning business together. Mm. We'll tell you some stories about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, baby. So anyway, but back to you. So uh, what, what was Mike monstrous or was yeah, it just he, really it was noticeable the 80 i think it was right before 81 so he had I mean, come on was he either like the biggest guy in the room or was he like no, oh, I, yeah i remember saying to myself his veins are blue because he had so many veins in his forearms i was like he looks like he's blue man because he had so many veins and i remember the maryland players were like really encouraging him let's go mike you know and uh, he could work out just in a, in a great atmosphere there. And there was no machines or nothing. I mean, it was just barbells, benches, and squat racks. And yeah, and it was like sweaty. and Yeah, it was a great. It was moisture, a moisture on the wall. and Old uh, racquetball court, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Old racquetball court. Yeah, uh, now, was uh, Frank Costello still the... He was, I think he was more advising at that time. He was sort of like overseeing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um but he was the originator, wasn't he? He was the original one at Maryland. Well, uh, that's pretty good inspiration right there, and that's that's live for sure, right? Yeah, that was that that was like. Oh, Did you? Uh, I guess Randy White was before you, right? Yeah, Randy is in '74. He graduated in '74. 
So I remember his name, but I don't, I don't, you know, I was so young that I didn't, I don't remember him playing, but he used to watch my parents, my dad play uh, tennis and basketball and stuff. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Then another thing, and, and Marty, you know about this. Um, I was just sitting here thinking about Christy doing that 515. Yeah. 515 in the gym. Yeah. He did 507 deadlift in competition to set the national record. Yep. She's done. That was that was impressive. I think she ranked one eighty four. And again, this is the best thing about it, and the reason that I took her on is because she is a, a for sure drug free girl. Yeah, my former assistant, Christy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she what a specimen. I mean, you know, I just looked at her and go, yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, you know, the fact that she was one hundred percent absolutely natural and 180 pounds deadlifting 500 yeah and her leg strength was down i in my i knew that if we could just get her leg strength up that yeah. would push everything up right yeah we started doing those pauses and all yeah, that i know i know i know i know i know i just wish i i wish we had if i'd had two more seasons she would have been uh IPF. She wouldn't have just yeah she yeah she would have won the IPF World Championships. She was just that good. Yeah, I had her do crazy. I mean, I, I've seen her do three fifteen for you know fifteen reps in the deadlift, oh. twenty reps, crazy. Oh shit. yeah, yeah. Her deadlift and she was a great bencher. Yeah, two fifty two. Yeah. Oh come on, you know and and but that the the squat was worth. She was giving away. She was giving away seventy pounds. Yeah. To her competition there was no reason for it because she had great legs and great anyway yeah. we didn't want to get too spun off on the christy thing but i worked with her for a cycle yep. and uh what did she post jim was that that was the 507 cycle right yeah she did 515 in the gym which yeah was- yeah and and again uh things have broke differently she would have set the world i think at the time the the drug tested world record in her weight division was i think five 21 yeah uh, she would have she would have, she would have done that for reps and i remember her seeing her do dumbbell benches with the 110s <laughs> yeah but Damn. this is a division one athlete this is this is primo she played basketball in college yeah yeah athletic material here did you right? say this was the 80s jim no this yeah. is the recently this is just ago. recently yeah mm-hmm. impressive gym lifts and then I spotted Rob Wagner when he was, I think he was 185. Yep. He did 405 for 20 with, I don't even think he had a belt on. Uh, you know, that, I'm sorry. That 405 for 20 shit, that doesn't get me. Tell me what Rob oh, did man, for one. Like Tell what Rob great did to for shock one. the system with. Oh, well, he's, I've uh, seen him squat, you know, 725 for a triple or something. And, you know. Well, how about 800? Oh, yeah. I didn't, uh, I wasn't there, though. I didn't see that. Well, uh, well you know. Too bad for you. Yeah, so he did seven ninety nine at one ninety eight. Yeah, four times body weight. Three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> with his little, with his little narrow stance squat, heels, heels almost together. Oh, I know. It was so crazy. It was like I would have broke him of that. I mean, it. That's what we would do as an assistance exercise. Yeah. Right. Hey, hey Marty. You, yeah. Now you, uh, I'm. Th- you know, this is making me think of Lamar Gant. You know, you're talking about four times body weight. Yeah. He actually uh, deadlifted five times his body weight. He's either right. the only guy or the he's the no, first no, guy that ever did that. There no, might be no, there's no one else even close. 
So nobody's done that since? No. But now, you guys used to hang out, right? So did you ever see him deadlift? Lamar? Yeah. Yeah, I coached him at the national championships on two occasions. Okay. Sports Illustrated even did an article about it. <laughs> so you exactly. saw him do the five times body weight? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, the, I, sure. that's yeah. got to be. Yeah, Lamar was many, you know, one of many. Uh, I jumping ahead of myself, but, you know, I coached Black's gym, John Black's team, when we won. What did we win? Uh, we won five national championships in three different federations. And I coached, I mean, he was a who's who of, you know, the greatest powerlifters in the world, you know. Uh, it was either they either lifted for us, blacks, or they lifted for the uh, United States Armed Forces team, which was coached by Sean Scully. And they had guys like Gene Bell and also be Alexander, um, you know, and, you know, world champion guys. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a gunfight and, you know, we won five national titles. So, yeah, but How about, uh, Dan orig- originally, yeah, you know, I, I coached Danny at the world championship. I when he won best lifter. 744 at 148. I, I coached him that day. I was his coach on the platform that day. Unbelievable. Yes, I was there. I mean, I'm the, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, Forrest Gump of lifting. And you know, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, his longevity, he was telling me he doesn't do any of the power lifts for like six months out of the year. Yeah. I, I think that's smart. That's, that's what I'm saying, longevity wise. And it, and, and it keeps it fresh for you when you do tie into it. It's like, oh, my God, this feels so good. This is like old home week. And then when he starts deadlifting, he never touches a floor. He just goes like two inches from it. and then That's right. Fast. That's right. Continuous tension. Yeah. That's, that's, man, that yeah, that's the fundamental. I mean, it's not the only deadlift. The, right. the dropped negative. Oh, here we go. Is a a valid deadlift variation, but it's like number four down the line. Right. Right. It's valid because what you're doing is you're, is you're working on the start. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, my first experience, uh, as a local lifter is I saw Paul Anderson at age 15 at the Silver Spring YMCA, which was two miles from my house. <clears throat> and the DCAAU brought him in. At the time, Paul was barnstorming the country, trying to raise money to start his youth home, the Paul right. Anderson Youth Home in, uh, was he in Vidalia? Georgia. I think he was in Vidalia, Georgia. Yeah, he was definitely in Georgia, but uh, yeah. in terms of the town. So anyway, so... You know, we were a whistle stop, right? Like it was uh, Silver Spring Boys Club on, you know, April 4th, 1965. And then the next night he was going to do Philly. Then the night after that, he was going to do York. And the night after that, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was barnstorming around the country. Each stop, he'd make a thousand bucks and keep moving. And what his thing was is he would squat, he would press, and then he would talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he was. Uh, fellowship for Christian athletes. Right. So on the 
the day that we saw him, they put him at the end. Uh, we were a hotbed of Olympic lifting. Powerlifting didn't exist in 1965. But for Olympic weightlifting, uh, we were we were kick-ass region. And so at the end of the, uh, the regional Olympic lift championships, they put Anderson on. At the time, the world record in the press was 418, which was held by Yuri Vlasov. And Anderson came out and just rammed up 420, right? And he wore his combat boots. Then he came out and he to squat, and he squatted wearing socks. Like he took his combat boots off and he's wearing socks, and he did 900 for five. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he had his own curved bar, which had like a a bed wrap in the middle, which is like held on with, I don't know, bailing wire or bob wire or some shit. Was he deep? Was he deep? Yeah. Yeah. Because he bounced out of the bottom. He was like Shane Hammond. <laughs> oh, yeah. Use your belly. Use your belly. Well, he had it. Yeah. No, he was a monster. He was not a he was not a high squatter. He was a rebound squatter. How tall was he? Uh, he was my height. I was five ten. He's five ten. Was he? Okay. But he'd weigh a good three sixty. <laughs> with thirty six. Then there was no three hundred pounders, man. No, 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 no. And he was very agile. He could. Uh, one of the things he did is he would uh, do. Uh, Five sets of ten, leaping up onto a picnic table. Yeah. Step down. He didn't. He didn't jump back down because right. of his body weight. He stepped back down and then leap up. Table. Right? I mean, yeah, it good, table. good plyometrics for a big man, right? That's yeah. A lot of torque. Right. Yeah. Uh, he was a very innovative trainer. He did a lot of upside down training. Right. Yeah, I've seen pictures he, of that. Yeah, he would hang himself upside down and do curls and rows, and he said, "I would uh, the reverse blood flow." He thought there was something there. Yeah. So I saw Anderson. Obviously, that got me fired up. Then I got pulled into a circle of elite lifters, and and they would take road trips. These are grown men. I'm a 16 year old boy, and we're going to York to see the national powerlifting championships inaugural and the uh, national Olympic lifting championships. Mm. So, you know, I'm going and we're staying for two nights because we go down on a Friday and stay Saturday. And then on Sunday, you'd go to the, the York picnic at York park where they would do like strongman feats in the park, wow. you know, you know, and that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, who did I see? Oh, Bob Bednarski set his first world record in the press at my at the high school that I trained at, Gonzaga High School. Four hundred and fifty one pounds. What? Yeah, nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, four fifty one. Uh then that was in April. Then in uh June he pressed four fifty six and then clean and jerk four eighty six at York set the two world records. Yeah, that was heavy uh, 240. So we're backstage at Gonzaga, and I was like in awe of Bednarski. Yeah. Was like, he was he was a god to me. So and I'd never seen him before. He comes he comes in. He's like a rock star, and he comes in. He's like, and I say, Bob, I said, what do you weigh? He goes, 240. How do I look? <laughs> <laughs> I said, great, Bob, great. The great, Bob. 
he could have had sex with me if he wanted right then, oh, right? You know. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and then, but then he delivered. You know, then he went out and you know pressed two fifty one world record weighing two forty, and uh, you know the same night I don't know he, he uh, snatched three forty and you know cleaned his jerk four seventy. Was Ziegler hanging around those days? Oh, Bill Starr was there. A uh, Bill March and Bednarski. I thought we we're going to get into a fight backstage. Really. Oh, it was wild. Uh, yeah. So that, you know, and then after that, you know, also at the same time, I'm, I'm, um, I'm meeting Hugh Cassidy and getting into powerlifting. And that was at what age? Well, I first met Hugh young when I was 17 and then, right. uh, I didn't, uh, we kind of fell out of touch. Then I reconnected with him in the late seventies. And I started uh, mentoring under him at his place. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, I did with, with Hugh for five years. You know. Bowie, Maryland, right? Uh, well, kind of, sort of. You you was outside the Beltway, 15 miles. You'd go around. Did you get on 50? Uh, not quite. It was okay. before that. It was like 450. Okay. Like New Carrollton. And you go out. Ah. Like fifteen miles out, out, out. Yeah, it was. I think the technically it was it was High Bridge Road. Yeah, yeah, that's great, man. And uh, yeah, we worked there with Marshall Peck, Joe Ferry. I mean, these were top. Uh, Dan Pinkson was there. Uh, a lot of top top lifters. And we worked at Hughes, and then Mark Chalet's gym opened. I think 1980, and then we all moved over to Mark's. He said, uh, you guys are too strong, and I'm kind of tired of you, so move on. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Chalet. Uh, oh, Chalet's was the best gym I've ever been at before since, man. And, you know, that's a, that was, man, you know. So, anyway, I don't want to hog, hog it. No, 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 you don't want to see it. You know, the, my, the favorite story you tell me is, the Doug Furness, Furness, who just walked up to that loaded barbell at with seven or eight hundred and flip flops and freaking Bermuda shorts and <laughs> doubles it or something. Yeah. Oh, George Hector. Yeah. George could. George did that. Yeah. Five hundred pounds. Was I thought it was Doug. Doug for now. Well, Doug did that at yeah. a warm up at right. Maui when we were at the World Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maui he World was, Record Breakers. Yeah. Uh, no, it was the first APF World Championship. Okay. Okay. And uh, we were in Maui, and Doug and Ed and. Uh, Mark, we're lifting, and this was mid-80s, and Doug uh, walked up, you know, it was, uh, what was it, well, let's see, it'd be uh, six golds, so that's uh, 645, seven, you know, 655, 745, 35, what's that, 825, 815, 815 or 825, yeah, and uh, it was on the bar. He didn't load it. He didn't. He was just get, he was getting his shit out of the bag, and he he wore wrestling shoes, flats, uh, yeah. right. And uh, he just had like his wrestling singlet on, and he just he just walked up and <laughs> took it out of the rack and just did it and put it back. And I was like, God damn! I said, Doug, you know, it's good. Come on, give me your spot. He goes, Hey, it's like I'm like eight hundred. What the hell? Yeah, Marty, you know, Jesus Christ, not any real weight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He had warmed up though, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah, he'd been warming up, but the fact that he was just so nonchalant about 800 pounds. That's crazy. Well, the same day he did 986 
like it was 135. And I said, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I said, well, let's go to 1020 or something. He goes, no, he said, I want to save it for the total. Yeah. And again, he benched 600 basically without a shirt and he deadlifted 826. Crazy. Right? Bang. And, and he got the, he, that was his first 2,400 pound total. Then we went to Minnesota for the APF worlds and he was, uh, he hit, he was the first guy in history to hit 2,400 pound total twice. Jeez. And at his light body weight. In Minnesota, he was so lean at 275, he had veins on his deltoids. Yeah. Right. Cool. He had his shirt and get you see the top. I had tons of muscle. Tons oh, of muscle. He was, but he was weirdly built. It was like he was like a, a you know, a minotaur. Yeah. Right. <laughs> massively his thighs and his calves were incredible he had a great upper body but i mean it looked minuscule compared to his legs and his, yeah. his ass and his calves unbelievable leg development yeah which was directly attributable to his men his mentoring under dennis wright who was as harsh a, a master on him as cassidy was on me out of oklahoma right oh yeah i was out of oklahoma but dennis was oh man he had him they were squatting twice a week and, you know, they do like competition shit on Saturday. But then on Tuesday, they come in and do five sets of five of pause squats. You know, oh, it was brutal. But it was all about squatting. Right. You know, uh, you know, the squat right and the bench goes up. <laughs> everything goes up. If your squat goes up, everything goes up. Right. That was, I'm in agreement. I'm in that agreement. was the attitude. Right. Yeah. So and that was the attitude of Chile's. Mark was a great squatter. He's a beautiful squatter. He was a little bit high, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I worked with him. I worked with him as a coach because in the USPF and the, particularly the IPF, you had to get those suckers down below right. parallel. And right. Mark was always a gray zone, slightly high squatter. You know, he's powerful as hell, but he kind of refused to get down there. <laughs> and we worked with him and worked with him and worked with him. And, you know, uh, eventually, he did a legal thousand-pound squat weighing two eighty-five. Oh, oh yeah, I know it was legal because I called him up. That was in the gym. Yeah, it's a training squat, mm -hmm. and he backed it up. He did nine thirty against John Ware on a second attempt. We missed nine fifty. Man, John uh, was strong man. Uh, yeah, John had some shaky techniques that were passed. His deadlift was very suspect. Oh, yeah. Him and, you know, I don't want to make mention names. And anyway, one technique, that was, <laughs> one technique that was used is that they would pull it up right above their knees, and then they'd kind of sit it on their knees and lean back and pull it like in some sort of a... Yeah, it's, like, it's almost hitching, though, isn't it? Uh, and it wasn't hitching. It was they had this layback thing down, and yeah. John Cole had it. Anyway, it just it was completely illegal in the IPF, but in the APF, they would allow it, and yeah. it really kind of perverted it. And Scott actually, Scott Warman actually was kind of going against Kirk at the time because he was posting similar totals to Kirk, but in the APF, which was much looser in their rules. As far as depth goes. 
everything goes. Yeah. Death, tech, uh, deadlift, equipment allowed, bench press, you name it, they were yeah. looser. JP, I don't mean to get too far afield, but I'm just saying that my particular way that I came up, originally it was with Olympic lifters, then it was with the power lifters. Then down the road, I got back into it coaching after I, myself, I had my own career going at the same time, right? Yeah. yeah. So we had a lot of different guns going off simultaneously. I, I can't, uh, you know, you've got such a long history and you've been just so deep in this sport and, and coached so many guys and you're, you've been a lifter yourself. And uh, I can't imagine just all the, the crazy stuff you've seen and just all the strength that, that you've witnessed <laughs> over the years. Yeah. What are some of your best lifts? Me? Yeah. What are your well, crazy numbers? Again, it depends numbers. on your body weight and it depends on your age, right, Jen? Yeah. Well, what, what best overall, though? Yeah. What's your best uh, my, Well, you know, I never really hit it because I got injured. I, I broke my leg right when I was at my, I was on my run. Yeah, but didn't you squat 840? Yeah, I squatted 845, but that was just a bus stop. I was on the way to nine. Yeah. I was rolling. Were you at 240? Uh, yeah. 250? Yeah, 240. And I'm a tall 240 at 5'10". Yeah. Uh, with the 745 deadlift, terrible bench. My bench was terrible, about 425, but that's okay. I, I didn't intend to win. You ain't going to win it on the bench. No, I ain't going to win the Nationals. Anyway. Yeah, on the bench. You're going to win it with those squats. Yeah, I'm not going to win the Nationals anyway with the because these guys were routinely benching 550. Yeah. Right. That's okay. Y'all hang with them in the squat and the dead. Right. And that's great. That's enough for me. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get into powerlifting really till till later in terms of the bench press. Because Olympic lifters, as an Olympic lifter, we didn't do a lot of benching. <laughs> I guess not. Right? When, yeah. When, when Fantano and you teamed up with, with yeah. Ken Fantano to teach Karwaski the yep. bench – did you also take up the technique, the same technique at the same time, or had you already been doing it? Because I think well, that was, was... More like my comeback. That uh, I broke my leg. I had a compound fracture in my left lower leg with the seven hundred pound squat fell off my back. Yeah, cracked my left lower leg and cracked it in half. Mm. That was in uh, nineteen eighty three. I was thirty three years old. It was six weeks before the nationals, Jim. Mm. I squatted 845. The r- world record was 871. Damn. You were right, right? there. All right. Yeah. And I got six weeks to go, right? And then that happened. Yeah. So, anyway, <clears throat> that put me out for a year and a half. I came back, kind of a half ass thing. I put an 804 squat on the record just so I would have it, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, in a local meet, kind of parallel. <laughs> so then I quit and I got into coaching and I didn't quit lifting, but I didn't, I wasn't competing. I wasn't trying to push. I trained. And that's when I got into coaching. And that's when I started coaching Kirk and I started coaching, you know, Mark had already coached. I coached Mark while I was actively lifting. I cut my teeth on Mark. I uh, cut my my national and international level teeth coaching Mark Chalet, right? And 
I entered, I got introduced to the whole, that whole upper echelon network through my work with him. And then I got working with the national team and then the international team. Marty, had you right. not gotten hurt, would you have eventually fell into coaching? Well, I came, I came back. Ten years later, I right. came back as a master's lifter at age 42, and I won five national master's championship, and I took first, and I took first, second, and third at the world championships. Whoa. But you started coaching I, because you got IPF, hurt. Jimmy, IPF. Yeah, I knew you won the the, the worlds. I yeah. didn't know you won all those nationals. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I won. Uh, all right, so you're pretty so, legit. Yeah, I put at uh, age 42 at 198. I pulled 622. Yeah. At uh, 220, I pulled 683. And as 242, I pulled 733 at Dang, age 47. Yeah. Right. That's pretty but, impressive. Uh, yeah, it was okay. No, it's it's more than okay. But well, I was never I was never a great lifter. I was a over I was a a physiologic overachiever. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I was a head lifter. I was not a body lifter. <clears throat> to be uh some lifters they just have these incredible bodies. Yeah. Right. And they're natural born to lift heavy shit. But they might not have the, the strong mind. I had the strong mind, but the average body. Well, now, now to that now, point. Now, now, wait, now, wait. Now, Kirk had the body and the mind. Right. But you describe it as having a Tarzan. Yeah, I, yeah. What do you say? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, uh, three, there's three types of lifters. Yeah. And, Jimmy, we know guys like this. Looks like Tarzan, yeah. lifts like Jane. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, these guys, they look incredible. But you're like, this guy's going to win. Oh, my God. They look great. And then they're like benching 185 yeah. for reps. <laughs> then, uh, then you have looks like Jane lifts like Tarzan. Yeah. That was and that me. was you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, well, that guy couldn't. That guy, he sucks, right? They're like, okay. Well, I was cracking my knuckles. I was trained by Hugh Cassidy, bitch. <laughs> then you have... Looks like Tarzan, lifts like Tarzan. Yeah. And those are the Gene Bells and the Kirks and the Eds and the Dugs and you know and Jim Brown and Will Chamberlain. You know what I mean? Yes. Those are the 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 cream of the crop that combine genetics with great training and the right sport and everything falls together. And Jim, uh, which one were you? I was just thinking that you know I don't think. <laughs> Structurally, that I was meant to be a big guy. I wasn't um, either. I got small. I just joints knew that and... I had to get bigger to get stronger, and I, I liked I liked getting bigger also. So, um, you know, when I was when I did my best lifts, I was two sixty eight. I was pretty freaking big, though. Yeah, um, Jimmy, I would say you were definitely a mind lifter for sure. But I, yeah, I definitely. Fo- I mean, I studied. Some guys cannot harness the berserker mindset. You understand? Yeah. They can't get the psych on. It just is not in their their right. their psychological makeup. Oh yeah, I get sick. I get right. sick. I get fired up. 
Yeah, well, exactly. That's not a problem for you. No, yeah. that's easy, right? Well, for some people, that's a real issue. I actually met with my father because he's a sports psych guy, and I was like, "How fired up do I need to do to be in, in at these three lifts?" You know, because in some sports, you don't want to be fired up. All right, you tell me, and then I'll tell you. So I'll he goes. He goes blind rage. <laughs> uh, it, yes, except, and I would put the caveat on that. And, that, and then he did have a caveat. Okay, my caveat his was, his was as long as you're an expert in the form. So you have to, right. you know, you can't get all signaling. You know, you know what my caveat was? And it's, and it's linear too. Yeah. Until your technique breaks down. Right. Yeah, you said the same thing. Yeah. So you could still, yeah. Right. And I see what you're saying. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, we love blind rage. Blind rage works. Yeah. And it works better in a, something that's uh, straight up and down, like powerlifting, you know? Exactly. Short burst, yeah. boom, we're done. Yeah. Right. I got away from, like, I used to rub my forehead on the bar and doing, you know, the blood. And what I found out, all that stuff just exhausted me. So what I did was I would just get it in my head, inside, you know, just, you know, this, that get, get it pumping and get, you know, all, you know, but I, you know, I always use a lot of negative self-talk too. Like you big, you know what, you know, you, you can't, you know, what are you going to let this weight beat you? You think, you think, you know, think you're strong, you know, get up there and show it, that kind of stuff. Music uh, always did it for me. I mean, yeah. there's some days where a certain song would just hit you and you can music. use that. It gets you so fired up. And, uh, music's boy. integral. I I won't work out without music. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to people. Yeah, me neither. So yeah, but there's I could, I could, there's I some days. The there's some days where music is more impactful, and I don't know. You know, maybe you got more sleep that night or something. But some days music will just be so deep and impactful in whatever you're doing, and you know, sometimes you make that connection with with your your workout and you just have this phenomenal workout and just blow ah. past you know indeed, your, all indeed, your indeed you do grasshopper <laughs> yeah okay. so was, as christian murdy said you can open the window but the cool breeze does not always blow in <laughs> jp's like what the hell are you talking about right. no he knows he's got it well what were some of the other crazy lifts that you I'll, I'll tell you guys a couple okay so yeah all right so when i started out i was in maryland but then when i came back i came back to uh the west coast california and when i was about um let's see i don't know about 16 17 i'll never forget and uh there was a gym in in san gabriel california that's southern california it was called astro gym it was off San Gabriel Boulevard right there. And um they had some they had some serious dudes in there. So it was a good place for me to really I think that was probably the first gym that I signed up at. And I'll never forget one time I walked in and there was this guy standing there just strict curling two twenty five for reps. Guy was huge. Um his name was I, I later later met him, his name was Kermit. Right, and he had these big old Coke bottle glasses. This dude was a monster. But I, I soon, uh, I met him later on down the road a couple years later, and um, got to know him pretty good. And he was this just the sweetest guy. But I'll never forget that walking in, just curling, 
and every rep he'd say, Soup! and just have his <laughs> elbows, have his it. elbows by his side, perfect form. <laughs> I don't remember how many reps he got, but he was doing it with just yeah, impeccable man. form. Uh, Did he have big arms? Yeah, he, they had to be at least twenty-two or twenty-three. The yeah, guy was the, massive. That's the, that's the thing. That's what's got to get you. I've seen a lot of guys do move weight, but their physiques didn't move me, so I didn't care. Yeah, but, you know, I saw the Barbarian Brothers. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them live. Four ninety-five reverse grip bench. His yeah. ass is up. His ass is off the bench, but it was still impressive. Yeah, that no, was great. 315 behind the neck, 365 behind the neck, 120-pound dumbbell, 40-pound rows for, for 20, stuff like that. And they were big, too. That's like we filmed the DC cab. I, I, I trained I know you did. Miller's Gold Gym. They stayed there for an entire week. And they broke the bars or something? No, they, they uh, John had one of the original Smith machines. Yeah. This, this would have been, what, the 80s? Yeah, 82, 83. Yeah, early, right? Yeah. So he had an early Smith machine, and they bent it, <laughs> right? He said, oh, I'm so pissed off. I paid $800 for that thing, and those guys bent it up. And uh, they were extremely dismissive, as they should have been, for all these, you know, Glenmont suburban white kids, except when we came in. And we were repping, oh, I don't know, whatever, 685 for five or whatever. And they were like, oh, hey, hello, guys. You know, where'd you guys come from? We go, oh, yeah, well, this is uh, Hugh Cassidy. And at the time, anyway, we don't know what he was doing at the time. But anyway, he was with us. And uh, they were right friendly. But they yeah. were in town for an entire week. And they were, they were the real deal. They were very strong guys. Yeah, yeah. But they never, they never stripped down and did it, did they? Nah, they didn't. Their legs were tiny. They weren't tiny, but they were a lot smaller. Their legs were a lot smaller. Their upper body stuff was great. Crazy. Right? Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had another one, JP? Yeah, the other one was, um, I remember now, this was at a gym called Bulldog Gym in Irwindale, California. Uh, there was two at one time, but this was the new one in uh, in Irwindale, and there was uh, there was some good lifters in there. There was uh, a few competitive bodybuilders in there, um, and I'll never forget one time. Uh, and I had seen this guy in there before. He was uh, he was a pretty high level competitive bodybuilder, and I looked over, and there's a there's a crowd around him, and he's you know he's got the bar on his back, he's got 405 on his back, and He's, you know, he's going up and down. I, I go, okay, he's squatting. He's squatting that pretty good, pretty easy. Somebody moves out of the way. He's doing lunges oh, shit. with the 405. I was like, what the hell? Wow, man. Perfect form all the way down, but he's doing yeah. lunges. And I I'd never seen that before. That was pretty impressive. I hate the fucking lunge. Sorry. It's still impressive. Though. Yeah, that's impressive. Well, I, you know, as far you as... You know what was impressive? Who's that? When the guys in Portland told me, yeah, we saw uh, Kenny lift last week, Patera. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're That's a great Sam story. Jim, and yeah, we walked in, you know, Sam said, Kenny's here. 
Okay, cool. So, so we kind of were casual, sitting over on the benches, pretending to do some curls. So here comes Ken out. He said, oh, and the squat rack was loaded to 365. And they said, oh, great. Okay, we're going to see Kenny do some squats. Maybe he'll do, you know, 850 for three. And at the time, I think the world record for the powerlifting was 900 for one by Reinhardt, right? Like Don Reinhardt was yep. going 360 and the world record was, you know, like 900. Yeah. So, and Patera's, he's breaking through. He's not at the top levels yet, but he's breaking through an Olympic lifting, and he's just a, a monster. Um, 5'11", 300, but tight and athletic. He was a shot putter. He was a, you know, a, a, a explosive athlete. Right. So these guys are in there. They're, you know, hanging out in the periphery. And they said, well, you know, maybe Ken will need us to spot. Right. Because there's nobody in the gym. He said, well, you know, if he goes up to like 800, this will be great. We'll spot him. It'll be great. Because they're groupies, honestly. So Patera comes out. He's by himself. And he goes over to the squat rack. And he takes the 365 out. And he steps back to set it up to squat it. And then he presses it behind the neck for five. No way. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> then he racks it and leaves. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, the legend is cemented. Jeez, hey, hey, Marty. But at the time, this is a guy who eventually pressed 506, yep. cleaned it, and then pressed 500 pounds. That's crazy. Weighing 320. Can you imagine? No. Hey, Marty, who was the guy you were saying that competed and got disqualified because of his shoes? He had a, the wrong type of shoes on or something. He got pissed and came back the next the next year. What was he wearing yeah. when he came back? Tony's a legendary figure in the world of early powerlifting. He was um, from England. <laughs> yeah. And the English. Tony Fitton, right? Yeah, Tony Fitton. He was the uh, Tony won the English national championships in two hundred and twenty and the two hundred and forty-two pound class, and he competed at the world championships and took third. So Tony was no joke as a lifter, right? Yeah. He had real credentials as a lifter, but his real credentials were as a Early years drug uh, alchemist. He did time for that too, didn't he? Uh, he helped a lot of famous people <laughs> with their their drug programs, and he was again he was a chemist, and a, he had you know just a massive brain. He was a just such a smart dude. And he put his mind to these performance-enhancing chemicals. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was like a mad wizard. Yeah. Right. But uh, now, what do we want to know about Tony? Oh, oh, yeah. So uh, Tony competed at the uh, British National Championships one year. And they're very staid and they were very strict. And, you know, they had a lot of uh, officials with 
suits and ties and you know armbands and stuff so they told tony that his shoes were inappropriate because you know whatever he had on it had to be sportswear and i don't know maybe he wore his street shoes i don't know what the circumstance was but that really kind of ticked tony off so the next year he came back and he wore out uh, uh swim fins <laughs> after deadlift right and they were like whoa this is what this isn't no this is impossible you cannot do that and say check the rules it says sports where yeah, it's a sport yeah, and he says sport footing. And he, so he was allowed to deadlift with the swim fins on. So how did he do oh. in swim fins? <laughs> oh, I think he got. Uh, I think he got. I think he might have, you know, placed in the top three at the nationals. I don't. I know, this was not at <laughs> the world championships. Right. But I think uh, they found reason or rationale to ban him. He moved to the United States. Oh. And he was. Uh, uh, Tony, Tony got around. He was in, uh, California. Uh, he was in, uh, Alabama. Uh, he was in, uh, Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, he, he stayed with me for a while when I was in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, he was, a interesting individual. Now, was, how do we was, call it Tony? <laughs> was there ever a picture of him in the swim things? No, I don't think you want to, uh, Oh, that's social media gold. There's no photos. What about the biggest dudes, like most, the most massive, you know? Uh, O.D. Wilson certainly comes to Oh, yeah. He was gigantic. Uh, I would say six foot four, 440 pounds, but athletic. Yeah. Right? Uh, at the world's, one of the world's strongest men competitions, he dropped. They dropped the 180-pound keg on his head, and it yeah. bounced, and he was okay. He just shook it off, <laughs> right? I saw him. I forget. We're at the national championships one year, and it was at the after-championships banquet, and this guy had a custom-tailored suit, and, man, I mean, he looked magnificent. He looked like, uh, you know, a backup singer for uh, – Gladys Knight, you know, one of the pips, you know. Yeah. It's a beautiful man. Uh, just strong as hell, but just gigantic. Uh, James Hollywood Henderson. Yeah, he was. I've seen him live. I mean, he, I competed with him, yeah. Same kind of giganticism. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, apparently, all the strong men are like that. They're all six foot six and yeah. 400 yeah, pounds, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I guess if, and they all have to eat six meals a day, 2000 calories a meal. It's crazy. Right. Hey, what about Yates? You were around Yates in his prime. Dorian. Uh, yeah. Dorian was, um, he was a different cat, right? I mean, he was a different kettle of fish. But all, all, the, all the bodybuilders were West coast centric. Yeah. They all subscribe to a particular way of training, a particular way of eating, a particular way of their performance-enhancing drug use. You know, they were very lockstep. And Yates was over in England doing good, you know, yeah. uh, but living in obscurity mm -hmm. and being able to kind of like concentrate on himself. And it was like him... And his training partner, Leroy, 
Yeah. And that's all they needed. Yeah, there's a, a movie that just came out, another one about him today that I got, and it was all about the dedication that he had and the, the dungeon. And the, the well, you know, dedication is easy when you get results. Yeah, you know, he had enough. He said he, it was a calling for him, man. He just he, he felt it in his bones. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, he his physiology was right yeah. for the sport that he picked. So you were around him. Were you around him in, in the off season at all? Because he was like three hundred pounds, wasn't he? Yeah, he would do posing. Yeah, he would. He he did a lot of guest posing in the off season, and he would always pose to the uh, Nirvana song. Yeah. Uh, smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. And it was two minutes and thirty six seconds long. Right. That was it. That was it. And. So he'd come and he'd be gigantic. And actually, we would love him more in the off season. Yeah. He's weighing whatever two ninety five. So was he one of the biggest dudes you'd seen? Oh uh, yeah, at his height of five yeah. ten for sure. Yeah. I mean, he was, and the way he hung, relaxed, was the best ever. Right. Uh, I thought Bill Bill Pearl and Sergio Oliva. Sergio Oliva was incredible. You saw him live? Yeah. I don't. I didn't see him at his peak. Yeah. But uh, oh, you saw him in the Olympia when he came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I saw him a couple times, but he, you know, he was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at his peak, he supposedly had twenty-nine inch waist and twenty-nine inch thighs, yeah. with twenty inch arms and twenty yeah. inch calves, and a small head. <laughs> yeah. What could be better? Those Have pictures. Have you seen his son? Yeah, come on. You can tell. You can tell in the arms they have. Uh, yeah. You can just see the genetics. They have kind of the same shape, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Massive that's, forearms. That's so my the biggest guy I've ever seen live is Ronnie Coleman. I mean, he, I saw, oh he, god, yeah. He guest posed in the off season up in the Lehigh Valley. What did? Like, what was he wearing? Oh, he had to be three fifteen. I mean, he had some kind of polo yeah, shirt I, on. That, sounds, even that sounds light. Yeah, and his his the veins were as big as people's arms, man. He was huge. I know. It's like what what is that, man? What is that? Yeah, you know, he and, was one of the strongest guys. And yeah, he trained hard, man. And you well, know, you know here's, here's, yeah, here's yeah, the thing Ronnie. about here's the thing about Ronnie, and I believe that he would back me up on this, is that the the great thing about him is number one, he was a really good athlete. You know, yeah. He, you know, he played, yeah, he played, he played big time yeah. sports. He had athletic genes. Number two, he did not, he became a first rate natural bodybuilder before he ever even thought about a performance enhancing role. Well, he was placing in the Olympia naturally. I, I saw him when he was still natural and he did a, I mean, we were like in the auditorium. Yeah. And I was with somebody. I said, Ronnie, could you show us your bicep? And he just did an arm shot cold. And it was like, first a regular arm went up. And then on top of the regular <laughs> arm, there was like a second little building yeah. that went on top. And that was his uh, his bicep peak, his second because it's bicep two by not one not two and he had both and it was like god damn I said that is the 
best damn arm. Yeah. I never saw Arnold's arm at its peak. I never saw Freddie Ortiz's arm at its peak. I never saw Robbie Robinson's arm at its peak. But uh, I saw Ronnie Coleman's arm at his drug-free peak, and True. it was really, really good. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, he got on the stuff. Now, wasn't all, he originally a powerlifter, though? Yeah. Uh, kind of, sort of, you know, a little bit. He competed. He competed yeah. a few. Yeah. But he was never like Texas meets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he could have been um, if he if he had decided to. Of course, he could have been a world champion powerlifter. But why? <laughs> you know, really, right? If you have a chance to become Mister Olympia and actually make some money, yeah. You know, instead you're going to become a what a world champion powerlifter. One of the thickest guys was Kirk, no question. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When you, you you just look, you're like, I mean, even now, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we did that seminar together. His arms are like, I was like, are you doing a lot of arm work? <laughs> I mean, you know, you know he's yeah, not doing anything. No. Yeah, he's not even training arms, probably. Maybe a set here and there. No, Like I said, he's like one of those double muscled beef cows. You ever seen that? <laughs> Yeah, the myostatin gene. Double muscle beef cow. Yeah. Like a good nickname. It was short. Just massive. That's great. Double muscle beef cow. <laughs> I've told him that, too. He likes that. <laughs> and that's right. Oh, yeah. Well, so, well, be- again, on and on it goes. You know, you can roll down the list of, you know, you can take a bus stop at almost any point in time and go, yeah, well, you know, who did you run into then there, you know, and it's whether it's uh, Ken Fantano, Dave Jacoby, Ed Cohn, uh, Kirk, uh, Lamar Gant, uh, you know, Gene Bell, Willie Bell, right? Um, uh, O.D. Wilson, who else? Uh, Mike Hall. Kazmaier, were you around Kazmaier? No, no, Kaz came and went before okay. I got on the scene, right? Yeah. In Pacifico. Now, I knew Larry and I met Larry, but at the time that I knew and met Larry, he had morphed from an athlete into a promoter, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we knew, you know, Danny Wobler, uh, never knew Mike Bridges. He he came on the scene a li- little bit before us, mm-hmm. uh, so we didn't we didn't that that era proceeded when uh, Chalet and I we can't play Mark. Mark Mark was a serious serious dude. Um, <clears throat> he was a guy that uh, could come from seventh to first. You know, with the deadlift, because yeah. he had world record deadlift ability, and you know he was, and he was a, he was a fearsome guy, and you go, all right, what do we need? And if it was up to eight sixty, you were dead. <laughs> you guys ever been to the Mecca? Venice oh, Marty, Beach. Marty has. That's that's not my Mecca. Yeah, but you've been there before. Yeah, and it was like my uh, my grandfather used to take us down there. He was really? uh, my grandfather worked out for you know he was World War II vet and all that, and uh, but he worked out at the Y, 
and always encouraged me to uh to to work out i was you know before he died i was too young to to go with him to the y or hang out but he would always have stories and stuff but he would take us down to venice beach and he would take us down to um gold's and world's gym and we'd always go down there and buy like world's gym shirts and i remember going to the counter at world's and joe gold is standing behind the counter and um took our order joe gold gave us our shirts cool. took our money and you know he used to work there during the day at, at world's yeah. gym and then we'd cruise over and go to muscle beach and uh and hang out there a while and it was funny because it always seemed every time we went over there the the guys in the in the in the pit they always had these huge massive beautiful upper bodies and then no legs <laughs> yeah, right. at all that's it every time we went over there it was just like a bunch of top heavy guys um and then when i was um when i was working for lou we did a bunch of um, shoots over at the uh the gold's gym quick please Keep the conversation going. I think I've got a UPS man at the door. Keep going. So when I was working for Lou's Wick, we would do uh, yeah. shoots at the at the Venice Golds, and you know this was uh, this was probably 1991, right. and I remember going in there. Boy, that's you want to see some some bodybuilders from all over the world. Right. Um, that's where they love to go, and that was uh, I remember seeing. Uh, Lyle Alzado, you remember him? Of course. So yeah. I remember seeing him working out. He was massive. You know, he's, yeah. I don't remember how tall he was. He must have been, I don't know, 6'5 six, six, at least. Mm. Uh, he okay. was a massive guy. Yeah. Um, Barbarian Brothers were there. Yeah. I remember they were training chest when we were there. Oh, really? Um, it was funny. We were out back, and I think we were uh, putting all our stuff away. And who rolls up but Jimmy J.J. Walker in his white You're Cadillac. Kidding. So he <laughs> he parks around there and goes in. So apparently he was uh, he was pumping iron over at the uh, at the Mecca. He needed to. But that was a really, you know, and you, the the cool thing about that it was like a whole system. You know, I would I would uh, Lou would send me to the airport and pick these bodybuilders up from all over the world that were flying in. And you would take them to the Marina Pacific Hotel, right? Uh, just down the street from from Gold's in Venice, and that was where they would stay. And if I remember right, it was walking distance. You could walk from the Marina Pacific to uh, Gold's right there. I think it was just a few blocks, right? But you'd go drop them off, check them in, get their bags checked in, get them to the room, and and you know then you'd then you'd have all these places around town that catered to bodybuilders you know you could go in and get these these beautiful uh low calorie meals low carb you can go in um there was a place we did a shoot at down the street from the gym i think if i remember right, it was called fresh to go you could go mm. in and get these these just awesome muffins and things like that but that whole area man is just like and the situated. firehouse so, restaurant isn't that a which one place you're about to the firehouse. Hello. Hello, that, Jim. <laughs> Sorry, Wasn't man. I'm having mic problems. Firehouse, where everybody goes to. The 
the restaurant? Yeah, isn't there a restaurant called the Firehouse? Oh yeah, the Firehouse. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. What was going on? You know what? Um, I'm trying to remember, but it's right there. Um, and they cater to the bodybuilders too. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole place is like built around like fitness and bodybuilding, yeah. and but the the Firehouse is definitely there. I'm trying to remember what the what the deal was. Um, Sorry, know, you could probably just go in and get a bunch of, you know, egg whites and and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember oh. at uh, at World Gym. That was right around that time. Arnold was in there. He was uh, he was filming Terminator Two, and we actually we tried to get him to to do like a soundbite or something for the show. Yeah. And um, no way. Yeah. So we went over and. And I'm watching him work out. So he'd go over and do like a set of seated calves. And then he'd go talk for like 20 minutes. And then he'd go do a set of curls and then talk for 20 minutes. So he had a lot going on. But I remember him saying that um, because people were coming up to him, asking him, you know, how the movie's going and all that. And it was Terminator 2. But we tried to get him on. He said, no, boys, you don't want to talk to me. We're like, yeah, yeah, we we want to do something with you, you know. It's and he had uh, he had brought some fabulous Porsche of his. I think it was like a slant nose Porsche or something that day, and we were going to go out and 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 uh, do something with him at the car and show the car, but he didn't he didn't want anything to do with it, so uh, so he didn't get involved. And I don't remember who we were there shooting, um, somebody else, but. Man, that is cool. the mecca. Now you know. I I know this isn't powerlifting, but you want to see some. Yeah, you want to see some crazy good physiques go down there. And it's changed quite a bit. You know, you go to Muscle Beach. It used to be really just this little rundown little pit, but it was cool. It was really cool to go there. You know, all the plates were just solid rust and everything. They yeah. changed it a while ago and put. Uh, years ago and put a stage up there and and uh replaced all the equipment and stuff so that was uh that was always a place that uh got me fired up and i would go down there and just aspire to be that big i said one day one day i'm gonna be that big. yeah 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 marty you back yeah man i've been back you got a package was that a stocking stuffer uh it's just a rude ups man you know sometimes you got (laughs) to People in their place, you know. What I mean, you can't just be banging on somebody. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. What was the topic? <clears throat> Who do you want to talk tell about? Us about you know going to the gym in California? Yuri Vlaso, Vladimir Bazanowski, Bob Bednarski, John Cantor. Wasn't Ray Menser huge? Ray was. Um, yeah, Ray was an interesting personality too. Yeah. And did you see Benny Potter? Potter? How do you say that? <laughs> Benny Potter. Benny Reed. Yes, Benny Potter. He lives uh, in a cave. He lives in a cave now. <laughs> he does. He lives in a cave. Hmm. Some Indian reservation. At least he's still alive. Yeah, no, he's a spiritual guy now. <laughs> Most of his contemporaries are not. You're right. You're right. There's something about... Uh, I think the bodybuilding lifestyle at its most purest is ideal. 
I mean, where you have a disciplined and regimented approach toward nutrition. Right. You do cardio. Right. You lift. And because of that, you have a stress-free existence and lead a good life, right? Yeah. But the bodybuilders that <clears throat> interject the performance-enhancing drugs, they pervert it because they create a false sense of who and what they are, inflated sense. Yeah, but don't you think it's more than that? It's more, it's more the recreational stuff and, the li- and some of the lifestyle. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, just... On an individual basis, that's probably true. Yeah. But I think that competitive bodybuilders, um, I interviewed a lot of them. I mean, that was my job at Muscle and Fit. And um, they, very few of them had hardcore athletic backgrounds. Yeah. Most were sort of... um, I don't know, overcompensating, mm-hmm. right? They had some sort of uh, psychological undervaluation <laughs> yeah. selves that, that, you know, so they uh, called it the blowfish syndrome. <laughs> you kind of pump yourself up. And, you know, it's, it's okay. Other, other, peop- other guys take up martial arts because right. right? they feel <clears throat> picked on and intimidated, you know. And yeah. you know, bodybuilding is legitimate. Other guys take up wrestling. Other guys take up boxing, right? Who knows? Other guys take up skateboarding, whatever. Other guys take up music. But you pick something that you can excel in. Uh, and some guys are naturally attuned to be bodybuilders. Jim, I admire what you're doing because you are not a natural bodybuilder. But yet, you were able to invoke the bodybuilding disciplines, yeah. particularly the nutrition. That's the whole damn deal. No question. That's the, everything. the nutrition is everything. If you don't have the nutrition down, you're not a bodybuilder. Right. Right. The training, the cardio, that's easy. Right. Right. It's the you suffering. You don't have to do that. It's the suffering. Yeah, we can kill ourselves in lifting and we can blow ourselves away in cardio. That's Mm -hmm. easy for us because we're alpha males. But the damn dieting, the nutrition, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the damn, that's it. Now, the guys that have the nutrition down, they tend to be beta males that don't have the training thing down, Mm -hmm. right? They got that part of it down. Oh, we're very disciplined in our eating. Yeah, but you guys are kind of weak. Yeah, 147 pounds, but you got abs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't deadlift body weight. Right. Right. So, uh, but the alpha that that can conquer the nutrition rules the world. Mm. Right. But that's that's the whole that's the whole thing. But I I believe that you can eat gourmet and still eat uh, what do I want to say Jim uh, lose fat and gain muscle yeah right yeah you know what you you remember you were bringing up shrimp to me you know a lot of guys are eating shrimp now I, what I, I mean if you look at the nutritional yeah. 
right? Mm-hmm. And a pound of shrimp, a pound of steamed shrimp, that's a lot of damn food. You get a little tartar sauce going, a little hot tartar sauce going with the right amount of ketchup and horseradish. Mm. I'm telling you, or butter. You want to get some melted butter going? Yeah, man. Yeah, and by the time you're done a pound of shrimp, man, I'm full. Yeah. I'm looking to take a nap. Jim, why <laughs> is that? Is it? Is I had it a couple, uh, because it's a lot of damn volume. It's is a it lot the of protein food. density or what is it? Yeah, and what's the what's the deal with fat and shrimp? I don't even know. It may be the fat content is good too, because guys are switching to higher fat now. Is uh, it the iodine? Isn't there iodine in shrimp? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. But there's no there's no bone, and there's no there's no waste. It's all pure yeah. protein. Yeah, yeah. In the damn shell, you peel the shell off, and there's nothing but protein. And you look at the stats. And I, you know, I don't have them funny. You guys could probably pull them up quicker than me. But a pound of steamed shrimp—it's something incredible. Uh, the protein intakes off the charts. The carbs are nothing. It might have some fat, not a lot. Uh, and it's delicious, and it's filling, and it's a perfect food. You know, particularly like I said, if you have a couple of beers <laughs> you go with it, and it's like, damn, you know, I feel great, right? Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you live that way all the time, you'd be doing good. Or if you go out and have a a rib steak, but uh, you don't get the potatoes or the rice, yeah, you know, well, or maybe you keep the dessert, right? There's something to that. I mean, look at all the yeah. shrimp that Gillingham eats. Brad, well, I don't right? know. What was that? Four pounds. This guy's a world champion. Oh my god! What was that? Seriously, he ate like pounds. Oh. He'll eat like five pounds at a time, easy. <laughs> He's a big dude. He, you know, you talk about guys that you've been around that are big from front to back. But that's that's dinner. He's already had four meals leading up to that. He is thick, man. What did we have for what would he have for a typical breakfast, JP? Well, he was having the in the place we were at. It was they had they named the the dishes different names, and he, it, it was funny because. You know, one meal was called the heart attack, and the, and he didn't yeah, want to say it. That, Remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And he 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 goes, he points to the 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 menu to the waiter. He goes, "Oh, I don't know if a guy should be saying that, should he?" And it was called the heart attack. Remember? He goes, he didn't want to say, "Hey, I I'd like a heart attack." Heart attack. Dude, we so love that was him, like, man. We love, I love Brad, man. He's so there was a bunch of it was a bunch of eggs. It was it was. Um, I think it was like sausage. It was hash browns, and then he yeah. when you get a couple of pork chops, yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll be we'll be probably. teaching for a while, and he'll go, "Hey, Marty, <laughs> it's time to get the feed bag on." Don't you think? Don't you think, Marty? <laughs> exactly. But wait, he'd get a second breakfast. We'd go when we went on base. He'd eat again, right? No, no, no. That morning. We'd oh eat, yeah, we'd eat that one, and then I'd look over at him and I said, "Brad," I said, "Be like," I said, "Brad, if I got you another one, would you eat it?" He said, "Well, it wouldn't go to waste." <laughs> <laughs> I'd get him another one, and he'd eat the second one, right? And be looking around. I said, "Well, there's there's nothing to throw away there." Oh yeah, remember that deli we went to. And they yes. had those monstrous sandwiches, and yes. we could bear. I don't even think we finished ours, and he ate his up, snapped it right up. I think I finished mine. <laughs> and then she comes back. Anybody want dessert? Oh yeah, 
Brad raises his hand. You got he's the got a menu. piece of cheesecake. You got to get frothy. What does he say? You got to get an ointment. 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 Speed. To get fired up. Fired up. He says, got to get a little ointment, ointment on it. Like, and, that, and that wasn't even the best place. The best <laughs> place was that place that they had all the damn stuffed buffalo and the guns in oh, the wall. Oh, oh that was nice. Yeah. Name of that place? It was I don't know. It was inside of a hotel. That was the Fox. Um, what was the, the, the hunt? The Hunt Club. Hunt I think Club. It was. Hunt Club. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That was nice. That was heaven. All right. Party. Listen. Yep. Yeah, to roll it we up. We should probably end it here. Otherwise, uh, it'll almost be Saturday by the time we're done. Um. All right, any so guests? Good one. Up? Any, good any guests? Come up? Uh, check out Marty's weekly column and podcast, Raw with Marty Gallagher, at ironcompany.com. Also pick up Marty's books, Purposeful Primitive and Strong Medicine, at Iron Company. Check out Iron Company for all your gym equipment and flooring needs, and that includes you know anything from power bars to bumper plates to, to squat racks, anything you need. Uh, and finally... We've got Jim Steele articles. They can be found in our articles section. Just go to Iron Company, click on articles at the top, and then search out Jim Steele. And then uh, also check out his site, BassBarbell.com, for training, motivation, and programs. And that does it, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.